you have a Bible, if you would, ooh, that's loud. <laughs> if you have a Bible, you can turn to Habakkuk. If you, um, if you, uh, I got the, um, the bulletin this, this week, an email, you'll, you may have noticed that um, Mark was preaching this morning, and, and that's really impossible because I don't look anything <laughs> like Mark. <laughs> And he's on his way to Mexico. He, he uh, emailed saying that he'd probably be about halfway there uh, by the time I start preaching this morning. So we are keep praying for them, for their trip there, and while they're in on the trip back. So we're excited that they get to go and, and serve, and uh, they're excited to do that as well. So, so I'm preaching this morning, and I'm having to fight this my um, mic this morning. I'm not, not like Mark. Have you noticed that Mark has a new headset? It goes, it wraps around both ears. It's like, like, like he's a rocker or something. You know, he's <laughs> up here doing, doing that, you know, and so he has to have one that goes around both ears, I guess, but us Bibos get the, the cheaper one. <laughs> I probably shouldn't make fun of Mike, Mark while he's, while he's gone, while he's not here. <laughs> I'll wait till he gets back and then I'll say it again. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're going to be in Habakkuk. I had to look that up. I had to look, at, look up how to pronounce that. And there are a couple of uh, different pronunciations. But this one is the correct one. It says, it says pr- pronunciation of Habakkuk, and in parentheses it says the correct way. Because <laughs> one of them is Habakkuk, Right? And then there's this one where the emphasis is on the second syllable, Habakkuk. So that's, that's the way I'm going to say it, if I remember. Otherwise, I'll switch, and that's okay. <laughs> so we'll be in chapter 3 this morning. Habakkuk is five books west of the New Testament. So if you can't find it, just count, go to the New Testament and count back five, five books. Chapter 3, we're going we're gonna to read verses 17 and 18. God's word says this, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Let me pray this morning. Thank you, Father, for your word, for this truth that we're about to discover this morning that applies to us even still today. Lord, I ask for your help, for your strength, Lord, this morning to present your word in a manner that is clear, in a manner that is um, convicting, a manner that changes our lives, Father God. And it is only by your word and your truth, the truth of your word that is able to do that, Father God. So so I thank you, Father, for giving us this text, your word, this Bible, Father God, that we draw from daily to be fed by you, Father God. So feed us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, 
Today's sermon is the second of a two-part mini-series of sermons that I've done on, uh, that's based on some real-life experiences uh, that I've been through recently. Uh, it's helpful when you have, uh, or you can you bring real-life experiences to a sermon because then it makes you a little bit more credible. Uh, when you can relate to the people that you're preaching to, uh, it makes it easier for them to understand because then they know that you've been there, you've done that, you've had that experience. And so that, that's what I've been trying to do with these, these, um, these two sermons. Now, although a majority of you have not had three-plus heart attacks <laughs> um, or triple bypass uh, and cancer, um, there are a lot of you that, in a, even in our small church, that have had severe illnesses, long-term illnesses, even ongoing illnesses. Uh, and many of you have been through not just one, but perhaps many storms in your life, um, like unemployment or underemployment, maybe a, um, a loss uh, of a family member. Um, these are other circumstances which you would categorize as storms in your life. Um, if, if you haven't listened to, to my sermon from uh, several weeks ago on Mother's Day, um, I, I would threaten you to go and, and listen to, I mean, uh, I would encourage you, <laughs> I would encourage you to go listen to it. Um, it's titled Trusting God Through the Storm and follows the text in Mark where Jesus calms the storm. The sermon highlights this point, that rest in the storm comes from knowing and trusting God. So, if you have an opportunity to go hear that, I, I would encourage you to do that. In, in today's text, we hear from Habakkuk that although I have nothing, when nothing is going my way, when, when all day long my plans are being frustrated and it seems the entire world is against me with negative events that I can't control, I can still rejoice in my Lord when my assurance is in Christ and all that he has promised to be for me through the work of the cross. It is because of Christ. And that's what we're going to see in our text this morning. So I'm going to touch on three main points this morning, which I'll highlight as I come to them. So let's begin with point number one. Woe is me. Woe is me. Habakkuk 3 verse 17, I'm going to read it again. It says this, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. And I know some of you are going, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. You're saying this in your head because you want to finish that sentence. But I wanted to point out this particular verse, this sentence, has some things in it that we need to pay attention to. But what is the author identifying here? What is he trying to point out or, or, or make us aware of? I mean, he lists some things. The fig tree, the vines, the olive, the fields, the fold, the stalls. What would you say is, in, is, com is common about all these things that he's listed? They're a means of sus sustenance or, or livelihood. 
in their, in their day, they used these things to, to make their livelihood, to survive. If, if they had goats and, 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 and cattle, they would, you know, they could make milk and, or, or, or get milk from the goats and, and, and trade that for maybe corn or, or wheat. Um, this was their livelihood that he's listing here. And he's saying, I have none of this. So, so to them, when they're reading this, they're going, okay, I've been there. I, I know what that's like. Yes, I can, I can feel your pain. He's, ex- he's expressing something that they have in common, perhaps. They can relate. People are saying to themselves, how am I going to live if I don't have these things? How am I going to provide for my family? Those are, those are real concerns. In today's world, these, these things that we rely on for our livelihood may not look the same as what's in, in Habakkuk, perhaps it, but perhaps it's our job or, or financial situation. Or maybe our health prevents us from, from getting a good paying job, or, or maybe even our health prevents us from even leaving the house to have a, a, now, a job outside the house. These things that we rely on today, they may not be listed in the text that speaks, that speaks about these things, but, but it doesn't mean that we can't gain wisdom from this text. And I hope that we can this morning. It's my, it's my, my job this morning to show you that we can. And each person has their own list. Whether you're living in one of the poorest countries in the world or in the United States, which is one of the richest countries in the world, we all have our own list of things that we consider crucial to survival. And they may be different even than the person that's sitting right next to you. And how we deal with this list will be different too. How we deal with the loss of, these li- of this list or the loss of the items in this list can be different as well. I, b- I believe there are three ways, three ways in which we handle the loss of things we consider crucial to our survival. And we can consider these as maybe phases because sometimes we may be in one of these, these ways or phases and we may be able to to bring ourselves out of that phase into the next phase or maybe even into the third phase which is the phase that I I think we want to be in. But sometimes we may be stuck in these phases. So here they are. First, First one is woe is me. The woe is me phase. Hey Phil, how you doing? Oh, woe is me. Oh, I've got this problem, I've got that problem. And I go on, and I go on, and I go on. You know, it's really bad if they start with, oh, it began when I was six years old. <laughs> you know, and I had all these. And they go on and on and on with their problems and their problems and their problems. And they're looking for pity, perhaps, or maybe sympathy. Now, it's not wrong to, to you know, Tell somebody about your problems if they ask and if they want to know, if, if you know that they're the type of person that will sit with you and pray with you, 
about your problems. That's good. It's not wrong to tell somebody about your problems and, and get prayer and get counsel. That's good. But when all you talk about, when, when you get with other people and all you talk about are your problems and your difficulties and you're not concerned about their problems or things that are going good in their lives or things that are going good in my life, then you may be stuck in the woe is me phase. You may be stuck in self-pity. Another phase is the sun will come out tomorrow phase. Hey, Phil, I heard you lost your job. Oh, yes, but the sun will come out tomorrow. <laughs> you know? And as they're walking off, they're, you hear them saying, tomorrow, tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, it's bad, but hey, it's going to be better tomorrow. I know it's going to be better tomorrow. They're excited about tomorrow. Tomorrow comes and they'll say, hey, but tomorrow is another day. And see, they're putting their hope on a false salvation. Tomorrow is their false salvation. Is tomorrow going to fix your problems? Your problems might not be there tomorrow. That would be a good thing. But it's not tomorrow that fixes those problems. It's not tomorrow that removes the anxiety that you have about the difficulties, the loss of a job, or the loss of a family member, or, or under the other things that you consider storms in your life. It's not tomorrow. The third phase is where I think we should be. And that phase I call with faith. With faith. Habakkuk expresses his faith in God despite the fact that he has nothing. He says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I have nothing, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. He doesn't ignore the fact that he has nothing. He says, though I have nothing, yet I will rejoice. This is neither woe is me, I hope you will have sympathy for me or have pity on me, nor is it a hope in tomorrow, which is a false salvation, but rather it's a hope in God. And, and you know what? We can have that hope today when our hope is in Jesus Christ. When our assurance is in Christ, our hope is today and tomorrow and the day after and forevermore. Amen? This third response to our circumstances is what I'll detail a bit more in my next point. But before we move on, let me ask these questions. Do you identify with one of these first two phases? Perhaps you bounce back and forth between the first two phases, but never get to the third phase of, of having faith to trust in God for your certain, for your current circumstances. Are you thinking, yeah, this is, this is me. 
I can't seem to, to get out of it. I, I say I trust in God, but I can't seem to let go of the anxiety I have about my circumstances. I keep coming back to, woe is me. Or I keep coming back to, tomorrow will be better. Let me assure you, there is the freedom to move out of these woe is me phase or the tomorrow will be better phase. And I hope by next point, we'll shed some light on why you can move yourself out of these, these phases. I also want to pray with you. I want to pray with you right after the meeting. So I, I hope you'll have the courage to come up for prayer. We're gonna, we'll do that right after the last song. If you feel like you're, you're, you just can't let go of the anxiety, You've got these circumstances you just can't let go. You're in the woe is me or you're in the tomorrow will be better. I know tomorrow will be better. And you want to let go of those. Come up here afterwards and we'll pray with you. Because you know when your assurance is in Christ, you can let go. You can let go. And today can be better. Amen. So we'll, we'll do that. All right, so my next point, my assurance is in Christ. My assurance is in Christ. If our circumstances, which may be good or may be bad, are not causing us to look to God, then they're causing us to look to nowhere good. Let me say that again. If, if our circumstances are not causing us to look to God, then they're causing us to look to nowhere good. Habakkuk's circumstances were certainly bad. But he wasn't saying, woe is me. In his text, he wasn't saying, have pity on me. He wasn't saying, it'll all be good tomorrow. His assurance was in the God of his salvation. Though this is all bad, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take my joy in the God of my salvation, he says. His circumstances were making him to turn to his God. His salvation would have been what turned his bad into good. The bad was not having which provided sustenance. And although he had nothing, he still turned to God. He still rejoiced in the Lord. He still took joy in the God of his salvation. Now for sinners, there's a greater need. For sinners, there's a greater need. A greater need than just a blooming fig tree or fruit on the vines or a herd in the stalls. A greater need than having money in the bank or a good paying job. A greater need than having a roof over our head or being rid of illness and pain, even a greater need than the air we breathe. Her need is to be restored. To be restored to a holy God who we've sinned against. A sin which has brought us a penalty of death, a debt we cannot pay. We need a salvation that solves our need a salvation that pays our debt, a salvation that redeems us to the Heavenly Father. And there's only one, there's only one Savior 
who has sacrificed enough to satisfy our debt in full. The one who paid the ultimate price. The one who replaced our sin with his righteousness. The one who took our sin and accepted the wrath meant for us. Boy, if that doesn't change your heart. Who died on the cross as as a sacrifice to pay our debt. And his name is Jesus Christ. His name is Jesus Christ. Even when things aren't going our way, when, when things look bleak and it seems that everything is working against us, we still have the assurance that what Jesus provides through salvation is what would cause us to say, I will rejoice. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. When we have contentment in our Savior, when we have contentment in our Savior, rather than contentment in our circumstances, we will sing Psalms 73, 25, and 26, which say this, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. When our contentment is in Jesus Christ, then the grip of anxiety of our circumstances will loosen because our focus and our joy is in Him rather than in our circumstances. It doesn't mean our problems go away, but the grip of the anxiety over them will go away because we know we have something far better, far better yet to come than what we could ever attain here on earth. Our assurance in Christ is that He is our portion forever. When we confess that we are sinners in need of a Savior and accept that Christ died on the cross to pay our debt for sin and redeem us to a holy God, then we become children of God. If if children, then also heirs, right? Heirs with Christ. Romans 8, 16, 17. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children than heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Amen? Our suffering is but a momentary affliction. I love this verse, 2 Corinthians 4.17. You heard me say it a lot last time. For this light, momentary affliction prepares for us an, ele- an, an, an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Glory beyond all comparison. So if you're stuck in the self-pity of woe is me, or under the false salvation of tomorrow will be better, pull yourself out with the assurance that Jesus Christ is your portion forever. He is your salvation. He is your rock. Rejoice and take joy in God 
in the God of your salvation, Jesus Christ. Now, I've taken you through what most interpretations of this text will reveal. That Habakkuk was saying, I've got nothing. Nothing to sustain me. No blossoms on the fig tree. No fruit on the vine. The olive is not producing. The fields yield no food. The flock are cut off in the fold. And there's no herd in the stalls. And he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take my joy in the God of my salvation. However, while I was reading this text, the Holy Spirit gave me an alternate way of looking at the text, which I will quickly share with you now as my last point. Point number three, yet I will rejoice. And it focuses on the last verse, verse 18. It says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Habakkuk was right in saying, by faith I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Even though I have nothing, even though I'm poor, I can't feed my family, I can't even feed myself, the cupboards are bare, the storehouse is empty, the barn is silent, and the land is dry. And even today, this applies to us as we have seen this morning. However, it can also apply in a different way. This is for all those who say, the Lord will not accept me because I'm unworthy of his love. Or perhaps for those who feel they need to pay their way into heaven. Maybe they say, if I just be as good as I can be, surely, surely he will accept me. Or, or, or if I give to the poor and feed the hungry, then surely I will be accepted into heaven. You're right in saying that you're unworthy. But you have nothing to bring for your salvation. We're all unworthy. We, we all have nothing to offer. But you're wrong in thinking that you could ever be worthy on your own. Or that you'd ever accumulate enough to pay for your salvation. And this is where the text helps us in this today. In my utter need for salvation... To be redeemed to the Heavenly Father, the creator of all things. I have nothing to bring to be saved. I can't, I can't make the payment for my sins. Even if I had all the money in the world, if, if I owned all the wealth in the world, I could not accumulate enough to pay for what I've done to God. And like Habakkuk, I am poor. I am without. I have nothing. And yet, I can rejoice in the Lord. I have nothing. And yet, I can take joy in the God of my salvation because of Jesus Christ. It's because of the work that he did on the cross, on my behalf, on your behalf, that we are accepted. See, I bring nothing. I bring nothing, and he brings it all. Jesus gave his all, and his all was sufficient. And God the Father made it possible by sending his son 
that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. As the band comes up, I'd like to end with a quote from an article written by Paul David Tripp on resting in God's faithfulness instead of our own, which, which seems to apply here. So let me read his, this quote. Quote, the, the one who created and controls the world, the one who is the ultimate definition of what is loving, true, and good, and the one who alone has the power to finally defeat sin, has chosen, because of his grace, to wrap his arms of faithful love and protection around you. And he will not let you go. You can take off, take your life off your shoulders because God has placed it on his. This doesn't mean that it doesn't matter how you live, but that your, your, your security is not found in your faithfulness, but in his, end quote. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. It is his love for us and his faithfulness to us that secures us for himself. And he sent his son to ensure that he has us for himself. We have nothing to bring. As Habakkuk says, Though I have n nothing yet, I will rejoice. You can rejoice as well if you have Jesus Christ. Let your assurance be in him rather, in your, rather than in your circumstances or in the things that you have or don't have. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the truth of this text and understanding that even though we come with nothing, even though we have nothing to give, we can still rejoice in you, Father God. For you sent your Son, who we have assurance in because of the work that he did on the cross, to provide for us. We are in but a momentary affliction, being prepared for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Oh, Father, we thank you for that. Thank you for your son, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.